Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with the incredible Michael Hinkson in Victorville, California. Michael is not only a highly accomplished individual with a bachelor's and master's degree in physics, but also a New York Times bestselling author, keynote speaker, and podcaster. He's here to inspire us and tell us about his book, Running with Roselle. So welcome, Michael. It's an honor to have you here today. Thank you. Michael, your story is remarkable. Being blind since birth to parents who instilled a can-do attitude in you must have shaped your journey. So could you please share with our listeners some insights into your childhood? My parents really attempted to not let blindness be an issue for me. So they were told when I was born that I should be sent to a home because no blind child could ever grow up to do anything. And they rejected that. So although I was blind and that was part of my life, they recognized that. They worked really hard to make sure that I didn't regard it as a problem. And there were things that I had to do differently. I didn't go out and play baseball with the other kids, but mm -hmm. I did learn to ride a bike and I rode a bike around my neighborhood. Um, I had other activities. My brother was more interested in art and things like that. I was more interested in science and electronics, more like my father. And so um, I was interested in radios and building radios and so on. And when I was 14, I got my first amateur or ham radio license. And so I've been a ham radio operator since 1964. And my father waited to get his license, although he could have gotten it at any time. He waited to get his license until I could get mine so we could share that, which was great. Oh, and, so nice. mm -hmm. and, and, my, and my parents both helped me in different ways with school and other things like that. But again, it was just kind of a matter of routine. They did the things that needed to be done and we moved forward. And um, I, I went to school and did the same things that other kids did in school. And uh, sometimes um, I didn't have access to materials, which could have been, which was a little bit of a problem, but my parents would read books to me until I could get them in Braille and other things like that. So for me, growing up presented challenges and I knew it, but at the same time, I also knew that 
challenges could be overcome mm -hmm. and challenges didn't need to be the end of the world. And I've always lived that way. Yes, totally. And given your experiences, Michael, is there anything that you still find fearful or intimidating? Well, I don't think I want to be in the middle of a football game and then, you know, in the Los Angeles Coliseum, I'm not going to go play football. Um, people have asked me if I want to get my eyesight back or if I could, would I do it? And my response is, it's an adventure. Um, and I do it because it's an adventure, but I don't live my life to the day that I'll get my eyesight back and I can't move on until I get my eyesight back. Um, I think that we need to recognize that all of us have different gifts and the gifts that I developed and learned to use are the gifts that I obtained and acquired and have because of who I am. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to see, do I want to see? It would certainly make some things convenient, but the other part of it is all of you who don't, uh, who, who do see and who don't have the benefit of blindness don't necessarily get the same gifts and learn some of the same skills that I've learned. So we all learn different things because of who we are and we need to accept that we can grow. We should learn to grow and, and move on from wherever we are in life because life is an adventure, but it doesn't have to go one particular way. Absolutely. This is such a great attitude, Michael. And your life took a dramatic turn on September 11, 2021, when you and your guide dog, Roselle, managed to escape from the 78th floor of Tower One in the World Trade Center just moments before its collapse. So we, we can only imagine, Michael, the intensity of that experience but would you be willing to share with us some details and emotions surrounding that fateful day? Well, sure. Um, and again, this goes back to the whole discussion of gifts, right? So mm -hmm. I was hired by a company to open an office for them in New York. I had sold some of their products through a reseller that I had worked for, and they recruited me away. It was Quantum Corporation recruited me away to open an office in New York for them. And in looking for space, I wanted to be in the financial part of New York. So I looked at the World Trade Center and talked to a real estate person who was with the Port Authority who ran the World Trade Center and learned that we could get a, a good rate because the occupancy level of the World Trade Center was at that time about 80%. So I was told so we negotiated an office rate and we opened an office there. And the office finally opened fully on August 1st of 2000. One of the things that I, as a blind person, realized I needed to do was to be able to accomplish the same things that anyone else in a similar position as I had would need to do. So that meant I needed to be the leader of the office. So when you go around the World Trade Center or any place, you get to read signs. You can see where things are. You can read signs that tell you where the emergency exits are and so on. And I don't get that opportunity. 
So what that meant for me was I needed to learn all that information, which by the way, is an advantage over what you get to do. Because if you just rely on signs, what if there's a smoke filled area and you can't see the signs? Or what if you're in a hurry and don't necessarily already have that information in your head? The problem is you don't have the same, if you will, knowledge is power that I had. So for me, what I learned to do was to get all of that information. So I spent a lot of time learning how to get around the World Trade Center. I learned where everything was that I might even have the remotest possibility of needing to, to go to or use. I learned how to escape. I learned what the procedures were. I learned the various ways to get to stairs, to go down, and to get out. And I learned all that I could about emergencies and the World Trade Center operations in general. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize at the time was that was actually helping me develop a mindset that said, you have the confidence in an emergency, so you don't need to panic. Now, um, that, of course, is assuming that something wasn't happening that would cause more fear, like I'm in the middle of the building and it's collapsing all around me, which means I wouldn't have time to do anything anyway. So I couldn't worry about that. But I learned what to do and created a mindset that said, you don't need to be afraid in an emergency. You know what you need to do and you know what you need to know. And you have your skills. So when September 11th happened, one of the first things that I noticed was that Roselle, my guide dog, was not panicking. We had heard a muffled explosion when the building was struck by the aircraft. The building rocked, and then it came back to a normal position. And somebody in my office, a colleague who was there for the day, saw fire and smoke above us and began to panic. But I didn't panic because Roselle wasn't doing anything to indicate that she was afraid. In fact, she had been asleep under my desk. And so she came out from under my desk after the building stopped moving and I took her leash and I told her to heal, which meant to come around behind me and sit on my left side, which she did, and was just sitting there wagging her tail. My colleague David was watching fire outside our windows and above us. And he said, oh, my God, Mike, there's fire and smoke above us. We got to get out of here. And I kept saying, slow down. Don't worry about it. We'll get away. We're OK, because I noticed that Roselle wasn't reacting in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And the result of that was that we were able to get guests that we had in our office to the stairs and start them down. Why the stairs and not the elevator? Because my colleague David had seen fire. And if that fire had gotten into the elevator shafts, which by the way it did, anyone in the elevator shafts would be injured or killed. And I knew that that was the situation that could happen because he saw fire. So again, that's my preparation. So I actually asked David to get our guests to the stairs, which he did. Then he came back. We went through the offices no one else was there. Then we went to the stairs and we went down. And on the way down, I observed what was going on around me and wasn't afraid. We smelled the fuel, the jet fuel burning, the fumes from burning jet fuel, but it wasn't near us. Um, and there were just a lot, of, a lot of fears in the stairwell. And some of us just worked really hard to make sure that nobody was afraid. Roselle wasn't indicating fear all the way down the stairs, which is something that was important to me because if Roselle had sensed something that made her afraid, she would have reacted differently going down the stairs than she was reacting. And that's 
my job to know her. People need to understand what a guide dog does and what a guide dog does not do. Guide dogs do not lead blind people. It's my job to give Roselle commands and tell her what I want her to do. So I need to know where to go. I need to know what to do. And so for me, it's learning that in advance, which I did. Roselle's job is to make sure that we walk safely. So we're a team and we each have a job to do and we need to respect each other's jobs, which we do and did. So I observed Roselle. She was not giving any fear indications at all. And so as we went down the stairs, I continued to encourage her and tell her she's doing a good job. Good girl. What a good dog, Roselle. And I did that because I wanted her to continue to get a message that I was okay. And in part, I was okay because she wasn't acting nervous. So it's a, it's a synergy, right? It's an interdependence between the two of us. But we made it down the stairs and we got out. And then we were very close to Tower 2 when it collapsed. And that was probably the most fearful time. Um, but we ran and we were able to escape that as well. Again, I knew the city. I knew the area. So I knew, um, well, basically what I knew I wanted to do is to get away from Tower 2's yeah. collapse. But I, w I was running and knew where I was. And so that, of course, helped. And so the, the bottom line is we did escape from what happened on that day. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable also how Roselle did not panic. It's like you said, it's a synergy. Hmm? Yeah, it's absolutely a synergy. And so... She wasn't nervous because I wasn't nervous and she wasn't sensing anything, even with her heightened senses that dogs have, she wasn't sensing anything to make her nervous. Mm -hmm. So um, that was an important piece of information for me, of course, that she wasn't indicating fear. And that of course helped. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for sharing your story. It's evident that your experiences on September 11 have undoubtedly shaped your perspective on life and resilience. Can you elaborate on how these profound experiences have influenced your writing and speaking engagements? I had never really thought of myself as a public speaker, although I had learned to speak. And being in sales, I did a, a good amount of speaking to different size groups to talk about our products and so on. So I had learned how to speak and had no fears of talking to, to groups of people. And so that was, that was one thing. But sort of fine-tuning that skill in terms of being a public and keynote speaker, of course, comes with some experience. But after September 11th, people started asking me if I would come and 
talk to them, tell our story, tell lessons that we should learn from September 11th and talk about other things that I felt were relevant. And that began what continues to this day, a career of speaking and um, and motivating, inspiring people, but also talking about leadership, talking about trust and teamwork, talking about the value of life, talking about ethics and why it's important, the lessons we should learn from September 11th. And, and so um, I, I began doing that. The media, of course, heard about our story and that led to people hearing about me. So it became a, a pretty good career. And I realized that selling philosophy and attitudes of life was a lot more fun and personally rewarding than selling computers. And so I chose to to go into speaking instead of selling technology, mm-hmm. although I continue to understand and use technology and I work with other companies. Today, I work with a company called Accessibe that makes products that help make internet websites more usable and inclusive for persons with a variety of disabilities and helping to bring that to market. And they're also the ones that asked me to to do the podcast that I do, which is not about accessibility, but just about people. It's called Unstoppable Mindset, where inclusion, diversity, and the unexpected meet. And the podcast is all about people telling their stories, sort of like we're doing here, but we have conversations for an hour talking about their experiences, um, mm-hmm. what happened to them, what do we learn from that, um, whatever they want to talk about. And the idea is to show people that they can be more unstoppable than they think they can. And mm-hmm. that's what we do. Wow, that's so amazing. And you've been so successful, Michael. And if I'm not mistaken, you have had the opportunity to travel and speak in all 50 states. Is that correct? I've been, um, I figured it out. We have now been to all 50 states and to several foreign countries. Yes. It must have been a fulfilling and enlightening experience to connect with people from different backgrounds and regions across the country and even internationally. I think that traveling is a wonderful adventure. Um, I believe that we live in a wonderful and exciting world, and it's important for all of us to learn about other people. That helps us learn about ourselves. And even throughout the United States, there are a number of different customs, um, of course, accents, but a number of different customs, different ways that people do things. And it's fun to be able to learn about what others do. And no way is wrong and no way is more right than someone else. But it's fun to understand that and to go meet people where they are. I enjoy it. And could you please share with us the story behind your Labrador Roselle, who served as the inspiration for your book, Running with Roselle? Well, so again, a guide dog is a dog that is trained to walk to keep the dog and its and its handler, its person safe. But mm-hmm. the dog looks to me for commands to know where I want to go. If I get lost, it's important that I not suddenly panic and and as oftentimes people do, take it out on the dog. You dumb dog, you got us lost. Well, the dog didn't get us lost. The dog's job isn't to know where to go and how to get there. And I don't want my dog to know that. 
even in the World Trade Center, I worked really hard not to always go the same way to get from one place to another because I didn't want the dog developing a habit of going one way. And sometimes that's a little bit hard to do because you're in a confined building, but it still is possible. I, I wanted the dog to be as alert and on top of things as possible. But the dog's job is to make sure that we walk safely, as I said. And it's my job to give the dog commands. So when I talk about Roselle, and when people ask me to talk about Roselle, what we're really talking about is the team, right? Roselle had a job to do and I had a job to do. And the real success and the real joy is when the team works well together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did that on September 11th, which is, which is what we should do all the time. Um, and Roselle was a, was a great guide dog. She did a wonderful job. She was very focused. When I was getting Roselle, they asked at the school where I got Roselle guide dogs for the blind, what did I want in a dog? And I said, I want a dog that had what I called an on and off switch. I wanted a dog that knew when it was time to play that it could play. But when the harness went on the dog, it was important to be able to then immediately go to work and focus on work. And that's what she did. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Mm -hmm. I saw the cover of your book and I saw how she was a baby. I think she was like a little puppy, but she's so cute. I mean, I believe that she's not here anymore. Oh, no. Um, that was, of course, Roselle was born in 1998. Um, and, you know, so that's 25 years ago. And Michael, um, what impact or let's say insights do you aspire to provide to your readers through your writing? One thing I think that's really important is I want people to know that anyone could find themselves in an unexpected, possibly stressful or emergency situation and that they can learn to control their fear and not let their fear blind them or paralyze them that they can use that fear as something that's very powerful to motivate them. Uh, and that's, uh, we're writing a new book called right now, the working title is a guide dog's guide to being brave. The idea is to start to tell people about how to control and learn to use their fear in a positive way rather than letting it overwhelm them. Mm -hmm. But I want people to understand that any of us can be confronted by emergency or unexpected situations. It doesn't matter if we're blind. It doesn't matter if we can see or hear or not hear. It's, it's something that can happen to anyone. And we can learn how to deal with that. I want people to learn that blindness isn't the problem that I face. It's rather the misconceptions mm. and poor attitudes that people have about blindness. They think that if you're blind, you can't do anything. Well, you know, um, I challenge anyone to be in a building when the power goes out at night. And how are you going to get around? The first thing you do is look for a new light source. 
And if you don't find a light source, you don't have an easy way to get around. It doesn't bother me a bit. The reality is we all have a disability. For most people, it's the fact that they have to have light in order to function. Mm-hmm. I don't, right? Mm-hmm. Don't make me appear less than you because I don't see. And that's an important lesson that I want people to understand. And that even if you lose your eyesight later in life, you can still be as productive as you were before. You just have to learn new techniques, new ways, and learn to use new tools, but you can still do the things you did before. There's a man who was an architect, and he lost his eyesight now, what, about 14 or 15 years ago. And he continued to be an architect because he realized that in architectural school, he learned a lot of things that he could do while not necessarily looking at designs. And so when he lost his eyesight, it didn't interrupt him very long to be able to continue to be an architect, and he is to this day. You are such an inspiration, Michael. I'm so glad to have you here today. I also would like to ask you about accessibility. Is that correct? Accessibility, yes. In your role as the Chief Vision Officer, you help organizations understand the importance of online inclusivity. What are the benefits and impact of having an accessible online presence? If you don't have an accessible presence, if your website is not accessible, you are really excluding depending on what statistic you believe, anywhere from 20 to 25% of people right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of people who, for one reason or another, cannot use your website. If you don't label links on your website, if you don't code menus properly so that blind people with software products called screen readers can look at them and access them, then we don't get access to parts of your website. If you don't put closed captioning on videos on your website for people who are deaf or hard of hearing, they won't know what um, is being said in videos. If your website requires you to move a mouse to highlight something and then select it, and I can't use a keyboard, that excludes blind people and it excludes quadriplegics and other people, quadriplegic people and other people who don't use a mouse. Mm-hmm. and have other technologies that essentially emulate a keyboard. So the bottom line is, if you don't make your website accessible, you are leaving out a significant part of the population. The other side of that is, if you do spend the time to make your website accessible, people who discover that, who happen to have um, a need to uh, to be able to Um, use different kinds of technologies to access your website will be more loyal to you because of the fact that you are making your website accessible. We are brand loyal and we're always going to be loyal to people who work to make their websites available to us. The the thing is that um, it's not magic to make a website accessible. The World Wide Web Consortium has developed guidelines called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. I think we're up to version 2.2. And so it's it's possible to learn what to do to make a website accessible. Now, the problem is most website coders don't really know how to do it. Or even if they do, 
They say, depending on how complicated your website is, if your website is fairly sophisticated, it's going to take time and it's going to cost a fair amount of money to do it. Accessibility mm -hmm. has developed ways to do that in a much more inexpensive way, in part using artificial intelligence um, to make a lot of the website accessible. And it isn't a perfect solution to use AI, but Accessibility also has other tools that, that people can use to make their, their websites uh, more inclusive and, and make them completely available if the AI doesn't do it by itself. But from a standpoint of why do it? Because you want to make sure that everyone possible can use your website. If you don't do it, as I said, between 20 and 25% of all people will be left out. Do you really want to lose that much business? I mean, there are reasons why it should be done. In the United States, in other places around the world, like Israel, it's the law. You are, you are supposed to make your websites inclusive um, because not only is it the right thing to do, but it's the legal thing to do, and people should do it. Absolutely. And Michael, where can we find you online? Like find your unstoppable mindset podcast, your books, your website. Please share with us. Well, people can learn about Accessibility by going to www.accessibility.com. And Accessibility is spelled A-C-C-E-S-S-I capital B-E. But And the website is A-C-C-E-S-S-I-B-E.com. And while you're there, you can click on something called Access Scan, and you can actually plug in your website or any website, and it will do an analysis to tell you whether the website is accessible and what needs to be done to, um, to make it accessible. And that's free. For me, you can find me, um, I'm, I'm listed there, but you can mostly find me at www.michaelhingson.com, and that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. H-I-N-G-S-O-N.com. You can learn about Unstoppable Mindset by going to www.michaelhingson.com slash podcast. And uh, all of our podcast episodes are there. We publish two a week. Mm -hmm. And if anyone would like to be a guest, um, they can reach out to me by going to the website. There's a contact form. And I would love to to chat with with you and um, we are always looking for more podcast guests and we're on LinkedIn and Facebook and so on as well. So we're, we're findable through a variety of sources, but the best way is to go to michaelhinkson.com or michaelhinkson.com slash podcast and reach out to us there. Um, if people want to learn about me as a speaker, they can do that through the website as well. They can email me also for any of this at, speaker, S-P-E-A-K-E-R, at michaelhinkson.com. Um, our books are available wherever books are sold. Running with Roselle was published through Kindle Direct Publishing, so it's on Amazon. Thunderdog is available anywhere books are sold. It is still in publication, and I hope it will continue to be. So it can be available wherever you find books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our listeners won't have any problem to find you online, Michael. And I would like to thank you very much for sharing your story. And I have to tell you that your courage and resilience are 
truly inspiring. So thank you again so much for your time. And I'm here waiting for your next ride. Well, thank you. It's been an honor to be on um, your podcast and very much enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope that people uh, will reach out and glad to answer any questions. If they want to know more about blindness, glad to help them with that as well. So um, I'm always pleased to, to correspond with people. Sounds great, Michael. So enjoy your day. Thank you. It's supposed to get pretty warm today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.